We respectfully acknowledge the University of Arizona is on the land and territories of indigenous peoples. Today, Arizona is home to 22 federally recognized tribes, with Tucson being home to the Autumn and Yaqui. Committed to diversity and inclusion, the university strives to build sustainable relationships with sovereign native nations and indigenous communities through education offerings, partnerships, and community service. episode of the PA Path Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lohenry, and we are glad you could join us as we seek to better understand the PA profession. That right now we live in very exciting times and we have the opportunity to expand the scope of practice of, of a lot of medical professionals. For example, uh, Corona is a catalyst for that. Because we, now we realize uh, there's a necessity for more hands and brains in healthcare. Well, hello, and thank you again for joining us today. Today, we're going to explore the PA profession in Germany. We are delighted to have our honored guest, Dr. Marcus Hoffman, join us. Dr. Hoffman played a major role in the establishment of the Further Education Decree, Physician Assistant of the state of Baden-Württemberg, Germany, which grants an academic degree to successful graduates of this program and entitles them to use the additional professional designation, state-approved physician assistant. He was also a key member of the Joint Working Group Academic Healthcare Professions of the German Medical Association and the National Association of Statutory Health Insurance Physicians, which developed the concept paper, Physician Assistant, a new profession in the German healthcare system. As always, you can learn more about our guest at our website, papathpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Guten Abend. Guten Abend. Guten Morgen. <laughs> How are you, Marcus? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We're just so excited to learn about the model of this profession in Germany. You know, we, you and I go back quite a few years when you first visited USC and it's really great to, to have you on the, the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's start with learning about your path because you are a, you're a family physician, as I recall. You, so you have a unique experience that exposed you to the PA profession, and ultimately you became one of the international leaders of the profession. So why don't you tell us about your particular path to getting involved with PAs? Yeah, it's quite interesting because when I went to medical school during the, that whole time, I, I, I never came in touch with physician assistants or, or, for example, other healthcare professionals like nurse practitioners, because at that time we did not have any of, of them in Germany. But that doesn't mean we never had any in, in Europe or maybe a, a different name. Maybe for some of you, the name Feldscher sounds familiar. So uh, we've always had the concept of non-physician professionals being part of the medical team, one or the other, uh, civilian and military over the course of centuries. So for example, the, the uh, before mentioned Feldscher was part of, of uh, several armies uh, during the 30-year war in Germany, which, which uh, took uh, place in the 17th century. So I came in touch with the, with the name physician assistant, which is very difficult to pronounce uh, for Germans, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I give you the, the German uh, equivalent or the German translation, which is probably difficult for you to pronounce. It's called Arztassistent. 
meaning um, uh, Arzt is, is the German word for doctor or physician. And assistant is like assistant. Uh, sure. I, I do not think this translation is appropriate to uh, what the scope of practice, uh, as far as the scope of practice is uh, is regarded. But uh, that's the official German translation we have so far. Obviously, it's, it's also an ongoing uh, discussion worldwide about how to describe this profession and the scope of practice that entails uh, with, with the correct name. So physician assistant is... I studied medicine in Germany. Uh, you, you start studying medicine out of high school. It takes six years to complete your studies. And then I was one of the few people who were still drafted into the military service. And I was fortunate enough to be sent abroad. That's what they told me. You are going to be sent abroad. And that's <laughs> the time... It was exciting because uh, at that time, uh, the German military did not really have engagement uh, abroad. So I was excited to go abroad and, and abroad meant uh, you are going to Belgium, which is a small country in Europe. <laughs> and, uh, and not, quite what, not quite what you were imagining, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, 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 it's obviously the seat of the European Parliament and, and also the seat of NATO. And uh, also the military NATO headquarters, uh, they are called SHAPE, uh, Supreme Headquarters Allied Forces Europe, um, is located in Belgium. And that's where they sent me. And, and this community is, 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 is very interesting. And there's about, at that time, there were about 10,000 people living there, families, people from more than 13 nations, NATO and, and affiliated uh, nations, also representatives from, from Warsaw Pact at that time, very all very, very interesting. And most interesting for me, and, and that closes the circle uh, to your question, um, I was able to work with physician assistants there because there is a, is a hospital um, which, which has an American uh, medical director and under the roof of that hospital, all other nations have their small clinics. So I worked in the German clinic. My neighbor across the hallway was, a, was an Italian family physician. Next door was a French physician. Uh, we had meetings in the mornings. Uh, in, in, initially, I, had, um, I spoke a little bit of English, of course, high school English, but the, the abbreviations in, in medical English, they were a real challenge to me. Sure. And, and also how to learn, how, how do we work um, in a team, we as, as Germans? Uh, how, how do other nations work in a team? And that really shaped my, my idea of, of medicine because it was completely new to me. And also uh, the deputy commander of this hospital was a male nurse, an officer. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, for me, uh, naive, uh, not used to that. I, it was a, it, it was amazing for me to see that uh, you could have a career as a non-physician in in the military, as an officer, high-ranking officer. I think it was a lieutenant colonel, and to be deputy commander of such an installation, it was an eye-opener. Um, sure. A very positive uh, experience for me, and that's that's how I first worked with uh, with uh, PAs. Um, after that, after my my time as a as a draftee in in the German army, 
I, um, I went on to my residency. I spent some time working as a research assistant in public health. And I, I never forgot, but I was absorbed in the German uh, you know, medical system after mm-hmm. that for, for a while, actually. And uh, the next time I, I came in touch with, with the name physician assistant was when I was working um, at Heidelberg Medical University. And there was an initiative from the state of Baden-Württemberg, which is in the southwest of Germany, a very innovative state, home to Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, and so on. So so very technology-driven. And of course, home to several very reputable medical schools. Um, They were... um, There was a minister of of, uh, education and of science who was trained at Berkeley, among other places. And he, he was familiar with uh, non-physician professions uh, during his time there. And he wanted to establish the PA profession because he foresaw the shortage of medical workforce. And he wanted to build uh, a perspective for, for healthcare professions besides the traditional. So they came up with this plan and they were looking for somebody who could... Uh, yeah, who was who knew how to pronounce the word physician assistant? So number one, <laughs> that, that, that's the step one. You have to build pronounce. Step one. Yeah. <laughs> there was the, the door opener, and then uh, they were really surprised to hear that I I worked with with PAs, and and I'm I was quite familiar with with the concept. Uh, what I what I didn't mention earlier was that I also spent some time um, as a volunteer in uh, during a deployment in Afghanistan. So uh, this is where I really learned to rely on PAs as valuable parts of, of the medical team. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when you really know what people are able to do. And it really you know, opened my heart again uh, the second time after my first time as, as a draftee in, in a more or less peaceful setting at NATO headquarters. Sure. It really opened my heart to the profession. And, uh, you know, when this opportunity arose, I, I took it by the horns. I grasped it, <laughs> the opportunity. And so I started with a lot of enthusiasm establishing um, this, this profession um, with 11 students. I always wow. say I started with a soccer team. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the number of, of, so- of players in a, in a soccer team, you know. And... Um, even though I'm not not so uh, familiar with with this game, which is interesting for a German, I guess, but uh, you know, it's it's a nice metaphor. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, even more so because I I'm so proud of the fact that we started with with the number eleven in in 2010, and usually in Germany we we we, we enroll the new students in any kind of of uh, course study course. Uh, on the 1st of October, that's when our winter semester starts, you know. Okay. And, and so for the first time since uh, we enrolled those first 11 students in, uh, in last October, the, the number exceeded 1,000. Wow. Enrollees. And this, of course, is not at, at the uh, program I have established or at, in 20, uh, 2010. But it's in a total of more than 25 programs all over Germany now. So a uh, hundredfold expansion or multiplication in 10 years. I'm, I'm so proud of it. I'm, I'm oh, so yeah. Proud. You, you should be. 
Yeah, I'm so happy to see this profession thrive. So, so you started with this this concept of first I have to be able to pronounce this this title, and then I'm going to start a a pilot of eleven students. Um, what were some of the early challenges as you tried to introduce this to your physician colleagues and and the Minister of Health and others in Germany? Right. So we had a we had the backing from the Ministry of Science uh, initially. And then there was a was a change in in uh, in, in parties in, in policies, and then it was not on the on the priority list anymore to establish the PA profession. There were other priorities, and I must say, from my very good experiences um, internationally with the PA profession, um, on a practical level, on an educational level, on 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 on, on a level of interacting, relying on on PAs. I was yeah I was I was struck I was I was almost shocked by the fact that no not everybody wanted PAs desperately sure to to phrase it carefully so there was initially a lot of opposition a lot of opposition from the uh, medical association from the German medical association there was a lot of opposition from from other healthcare professional associations but I now see that it's um, it's understandable. There's something new. There's a new concept. There's an unknown factor, and and that's how they looked at the um, at, at this new profession, unpronounceable profession. And um, so I engaged in a lot of discussions with the German Medical Association, um, with funding authorities. That's always important because the question was and and is still. Um, in, in some areas, how do we finance this new profession? Um, I engage with, uh, with a lot of discussions with, with other healthcare uh, professionals and, and their professional associations. And, you know, it became a constructive discussion. <laughs> so we had initial funding from the, from the ministry to establish this program. But um, we also had to evaluate the whereabouts of, the, of our graduates and whether they find a position, an appropriate position as physician assistant in, in a healthcare setting or not, and how they are perceived by other healthcare professions, also by patients, and how um, do they feel in their new profession. So what we did is we, we, we did this mandatory study of the first two uh, graduation classes, and it was a huge success. And that was the first breakthrough, breakthrough for this profession. But as you can imagine, so this was in 2015. So it took five years uh, for the first two classes to graduate because our program um, in Germany, uh, our PA programs are bachelor's programs um, of six semesters. So okay. three years of training. And um, then two classes, and then we asked the, 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 the graduates, um, and, and we asked the, uh, their environment. And there was, a, there was a big breakthrough. And so that meant the funding, the government funding for those classes uh, would be continued. There was a big boost for the profession. So in Germany, you, you have to know, we, we have basically two parts of our healthcare system. They're a bit separated. So we have uh, hospitals where people are treated as inpatients 
-hmm. and these are financed from a different pot, you know, than uh, the ambulatory care with private practices and so on. It's two different uh, sources of funding for those two. And it is easier or was easier to implement uh, the PA profession in the hospital setting, also because there was a bigger demand. And, and, a, and a better understanding, uh, I must say, especially in certain specialties, for example, trauma surgery, very pragmatic. And a lot of trauma surgeons and German trauma surgeons have either spent time in the United States or other countries where PAs are definitely part of, of the team. Or um, in, in some cases, for example, in cardiac surgery, we have American trained physicians that work in Germany and, and that help establishing the profession because they know how valuable PAs are as, as part of the of the team. So most of, of our graduates um, ended up working in uh, in a clinical setting in, in hospital uh, care for inpatients. That's really smart. So essentially by, by getting them placed with folks that had experience with PAs in the United States, you were able to kind of get to a tipping point of acceptance in the culture of medicine there. Yes. Yes, what you need is like with any new idea, you need proponents. We, we had a few and we built on them. We, we had a few um, doctors who, who knew PAs and were all convinced that, they, uh, that, that their true uh, um, gain for the team and, and a valuable you know, profession for Germany. And also we had... Um, we had, um, you know, economists that said, uh, and statisticians who said, you know, we cannot train as many physicians as we need in the future in, in Germany. So I guess it's, it's a similar setting and a similar outlook in, in many of the Western countries. <laughs> the, the second, you know, setting that we are focusing on now are rural areas. I guess this is where the USPA profession started out from. A shortage of primary providers, primary health providers in, in rural areas. Germany is not as big, but we also have rural areas where there is or will be a, a drastic shortage of family physicians. And so slowly there's an understanding that PAs might fill the gap. While I don't really like that phrase, but um, you know what I'm what I'm referring to. And yeah. also um, we, we have um, migration from the rural areas, also of, of young people, of professionals into, into the uh, city areas. But even there in, in bigger cities, there are, let's say, uh, medical deserts, uh, sure. places where, where there is no uh, family physician readily available. So, so we are working on concepts, how to implement PAs and maybe also other uh, new healthcare professions uh, in, into those practices or in, into that, you know, population-based uh, healthcare setting. So, so Marcus, you were describing that you're now at about 25 programs in Germany. Yeah. At what point in the evolution of the profession in Germany did you go from the, the one program to whatever the number was next and then to 25? How did that all roll out? Yeah, it was initially, um, we were quite alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the the first two, three, four years, there were one or two more uh, programs popping up. 
And like I said, uh, I guess a motivation also for, for other um, universities or, or institutions of higher education to also start a PA program was uh, the, the evaluation that I referred to before, the very positive outlook of, of everybody involved with PAs. Um, we published that and, and it was very well received uh, in the German public. So there was one um, breakthrough And that's when it started to, to, the number of programs all over Germany started to rise. And another breakthrough was um, um, a, a regulation or an, and a recommendation that was published by uh, the German uh, Medical Association mm. and uh, by the, um, let's say, financing bodies. I'm, I'm making this up, this translation, because some of the German terms and, and institutions are not, not that easily to pronounce or to translate. Sure. Anyway, so the breakthrough really came with the publication of uh, evaluation results and the publication of a, of a framework for the physician assistant profession by the German Medical Association. And yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? You, you finally have data, you have regulation, you have an endorsement, and you have the funders that are willing to fund an expansion of this. Exactly. So we worked on all, all those fronts, but it took five, six years until it really kicked in. And I'm, I'm not a very patient person, but I learned <laughs> patience through this, <laughs> through this <laughs> process. Um, and, and I... But looking back and looking back at the history of, of PAs in the United States and the evolution, um, and we, we, you and I discussed this uh, many times, and uh, I've, I've read about the history of PAs in the United States. So we are, we are on a fast track because uh, we have a blueprint. Sure. So, for example, we are, like I mentioned before, we're still graduating our PAs on a bachelor's level. So... That's okay for now, but there will be master's programs like in the United States. But I guess uh, 20 years ago, most PA programs in the United States were also uh, bachelor's programs. So maybe we are, we are at that point at the moment, but, and we can, we can talk about it, the, the scope of practice of PAs uh, in Germany, although the concept is the same um, as part of the uh, team, of the, of the um, uh, physician's team, um, the scope of practice is not where I want it to be yet. Sure, sure. Yeah, it takes time. I agree. And uh, just to do a comparison, the U.S. medical school path is slightly different than the German medical school path. You described you go right down that path right in, from high school into college. It's six years. And then I presume if you choose to do a residency, you can do that. Um, is it, I, I believe in the UK that results in a master's degree initially. Is that the same in Germany? Not for physicians. Uh, we still have this old fashioned track. We have that uh, for other professions too, but most uh, study programs, most academic programs have been switched to bachelor's and or consecutive master's programs um, okay. for, for most professions. Uh, in, in, for the medical uh, profession, we still have the uh, so-called Staatsexamen, the, the public exam, government exam. 
Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your program that you started and maybe the evolution of the curriculum in Germany. How did how did you first develop that program? What what is the typical you said three years was the time frame, but how much didactic? What what are the things you're teaching in the blueprint? Where do you do your rotations? What does that look like for a, a typical applicant as they're exploring your program? Yes. So in, in Germany, every university um, or every institution of higher learning um, has 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 freedom. Um, there's a, there's a freedom of teaching, and since there is no government mandated curriculum, uh, we were able to start with with uh, a blueprint uh, taken from from the U.S. model. So I, I did not create all of the first of, of the initial uh, PA program. There were there were people in the background that had done, done a lot of preparation work. And they um, had taken the blueprint from from the US PA programs. Mm-hmm. But the, the, one of the biggest difference is, is the following. So our program, a three year program was uh, structured as follows. So our students um, went to for lectures, classroom training, they had their classroom training for three months, then they went on clinical rotation for another three months. So one semester, of six months consists of three months classroom training and then practical applications. So, and that that's, uh, we, we, we do this, we did this uh, six times, six semesters. And then they uh, they graduate and then they write a bachelor's thesis and so on. Um, and at the end, of course, we also had a, a practical exam that we did together with uh, some of the most reputable university hospitals in a patient-centered setting. Sure. But this is not mandatory. Um, and then, um, after we had started with the program, and I mentioned some more programs came to existence, and they were slightly different. For example, they had different standards for enrollment. They they um, had different rotation schematics, but basically, it's the same as in the United States. You you study initially basic sciences, and then more and more you you gain an understanding of, of the clinical setting. You get more and more engaged with uh, patients during your clinical rotations, and so on. And and uh, we also had um, from the beginning some electives that you could choose from. For example, if you're very interested in, in trauma surgery. In orthopedics, you could take some extra classes, uh, electives in that, or in, in other fields. And there was also to um, train people according to demand, because we had, of course, done some market research, and uh, we, we were looking at where is the demand. And, of course, the trauma surgeons, there, there was a high demand, pragmatic uh, profession, and others too. And so we, we uh, offered this you know, as elective. So the challenge was initially uh, one of the challenges, obviously there were many challenges, but the next challenge was, so when there were more programs starting in Germany, they were different obviously from, from ours, which is not bad, which, which might be a good thing. And the, and the idea was the same, but in order to establish a profession, a solid profession, you have to stand together and you have to have a, at least, you know, a basic framework, a mandatory framework which was not easy to do because there was no legal framework. So right. what, we, what we had to do was uh, we had to find a place where we could discuss this and we had to find an authority 
that could at least give us, um, you know, guidance on this, uh, an authority that everybody respected outside of politics. And that was the German Medical Association and the funding authorities. And so we came together uh, as a representatives from several uh, universities and we, we compared our curricula. And obviously, um, you know, everyone was, was convinced theirs was the best maybe or not. So we had this typical discussion, but after the very short time of two years, I'm joking, because mm-hmm. to me, there was an eternity. <laughs> well, we've been working at it for 50 years, so you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, we reached an agreement. And so we have, we have some core um, subjects that, that every program should have, and these are the, the recommendations that were published by the German Medical Association. And, that, and after that, every new program took these recommendations and, and the curriculum uh, and, and built on that. So, so that was, uh, you know, goal achieved on, on that part. There are differences still in clinical rotation. Uh, there are differences in, in, you know, emphasis, for example, more on family care or more on this or that in, in some other programs, I think very similar to the programs in the United States, but we have a standard, a set standard. Um, I guess we'll be able to to work on it on this standard and uh, i'm looking forward uh, to do that to doing that because i mentioned the scope of practice of pas in germany and and that is not uh, enough for me yet yeah yeah so so when you think about the ideal scope of practice are you falling closer to what you experienced in afghanistan with the military pas yeah i mean that would that would be optimal obviously you cannot transfer um military standards to a civilian setting all the time um, or equally but uh, so let me let me talk about the scope of practice in germany so for pas pas in germany are part of the medical team and they work responsibly but under the doctor's authorization, the sure. physician's authorization. So we also call it delegation. Uh-huh. So tasks are delegated to PAs. And this, this can be done on a one-on-one basis, but it can also be done after the physician. And that's, that's a legal requirement for any kind of delegation of tasks to, to non-physicians. Uh, if the physician knows the person and, and they know they can perform and that's, that's true for all other professions also uh, in, in the medical field, then they can perform that task by themselves. It, it sounds very complicated, but you know that's the framework we have right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Physician assistants in Germany cannot prescribe, mm-hmm. which is difficult sometimes and Maybe there will be no law, new laws uh, enabling this, but right now only physicians can prescribe medication in Germany. There are some model programs, some, some evaluation going on uh, for non-physicians to prescribe medication, and I hope that will you know, foster um, and, and expand the, the scope of practice for PAs as well. We will see. And I so presume you have, you have pharmacology and pharmacotherapeutics in your curriculum. So oh yeah, definitely. Train, 
they're trained on yeah. the drugs. They're just not able to prescribe. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, on another anecdote um, of of many of one of the many um, discussions I've had with with healthcare professionals, and uh, this one with pharmacists. And because I've had pharmacists, very reputable pharmacists, uh, teaching at my program, and they said, okay, uh, we teach him all we know. And I discussed with him. I said, hey, what do you think about uh, PAs prescribing and not just the physician colleagues that prescribe and you fill the prescription? And the pharmacists were a bit reluctant. And I said, hey, uh, we know more about pharmaceuticals than sometimes also physician colleagues. And I would agree, you know, no physician knows everything. Nobody knows Mm -hmm. everything uh, in in every field. And so why should we not get prescription rights first? It was their question because in Germany they also <laughs> don't have prescription rights. It's just an anecdote, but yeah. but um, that is something that's, that and this is very very current um, development, COVID. So m- maybe you know that um, that we're trying to vaccinate a lot more people until the end of the year. That's what our new government proposed and and wants to do, and so they they are discussing about. Um, pharm- pharmacists vaccinating. I know in the United States it's, it's normal and standard yes. procedure, but in Germany it's not. So mm. maybe this discussion of, of task sharing uh, forced by this unfortunate pandemic can, can help open the mind of people. Yeah. When, when I first graduated from PA school in the United States, I practiced in the state of Illinois. And we were not allowed to prescribe in Illinois initially. And what was intriguing for me was that, you know, we took the same pharmacology course as the DO students at the university I attended from the exact same professors and had the same tests and and the same number of hours of pharmacology and pharmacotherapeutics. There were definitely differences in our total training around clinical hours and other things, but ultimately we were able to get that law changed about two years after I started practicing. But those first two years were tough. It made it very difficult on the patients and the, and the team as well. But the patients, uh, it, it makes it confusing. It, it lacks validity to the profession's intellect when they're not allowed to do that to, you know, try to provide a smoother transition for the patient to get in and out of the practice. So I, I do hope that they come around soon for you. Yes. And reality, reality looks differently. When I was in residency and I had my first emergency on intensive care, elderly gentleman with, uh, with a uh, myocardial infection, I relied on the staff, the non-physician staff in, on intensive care to explain to me what, what the schematics were. I, I had to bear the responsibility, yes, but they had the experience. Mm-hmm. So, but it like, like I, I like to say in Germany, you need a driver's license for everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Even, even for, for fishing even for other things and and of course for for serious uh, tasks like like prescribing of so course. if you're a, if you're a physician uh, for example I, I like to give that example I, I i am i have the license to do a transplant but i would never do it there are other people who are a lot more qualified than, sure. than me to do it and uh, so we we have to rethink this concept 
that if you have this or that driver's license, in other words, your, your medical degree or your physician's license, uh, that you're able to perform everything that uh, can be done in medicine. Maybe there are other professions that are better suited to do that. But well, and that's the classic argument for scope of practice, right? Scope of practice gives you the range to do the things that you have the experience to do, and it allows you the portability to take that with you into your next role. So yes. in the PA world, if I've done dermatology for 10 years and then I go work in primary care, the fact that I, in some states, I'm not allowed to practice the skills that I have been doing under the leadership of a dermatologist for 10 years, it's really just hurting the patients. It's, it's hurting the health system. I agree. I fully agree. And um, like in the United States, we also have a, a federal structure of our country. Uh, we have a federal system. And every state in Germany, we have 16 states, has their own requirements. They're very similar for the established medical professions, but they can make their own rules. And, and the first uh, rules for PAs were, were done based on our um, curriculum, but they were basically an addition to nursing law. They were not a PA law in my state, but it was a beginning, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah we, have, we have to go state by state to expand that. And I must say, and this is really a, a matter that, that counts a lot for me. It comes from my heart that that right now we live in very exciting times and we have the opportunity to expand the scope of practice of, of a lot of medical professionals. For example, uh, Corona is a catalyst for that because we now we realize uh, there's a necessity for more hands and brains in healthcare. And, and so we do it and, and we, we can tear down those barriers uh, between professions and, and in our minds especially uh, we, we've discussed it. Why not? If you've worked for 10 years in dermatology, you probably know more about dermatology than, than I do, most likely, uh, 100%, because I, I never worked in dermatology. So um, that should be a certain standard that we, have to, uh, that we have to look at, the time of training as well, but of course, uh, also qualification. So um, another aspect is that our new government uh, in Germany, we, we just established a new government in Germany. They have um, in their contract, there's a coalition of three parties and they made a contract and, and they outlined, you know, different kinds of policies and, and ideas for the new government for the next four years. And for medical professions, they uh, want to open up the scope of practice and also um, discuss or establish prescription rights, not for physician assistants explicitly, because it's still a small group in Germany, sure. um, but for other professions and for direct access, for example, to other professions like physiotherapists, because right now in Germany it's still very complicated. If you need uh, a referral to a physiotherapist, for example, because you broke your ankle and you need rehab, then you have to go to your family physician first or to your orthopedic first. And he writes, a, he or she writes a, a prescription. And now there's discussion about, you know, direct access. Why not? Uh, yeah. Physiotherapists are very well trained. It just clogs up access to the primary care providers who need to see people with real illness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we're, we're uh, in our remaining time. I'd love to ask you two, two more questions. Uh, you know, first, I'm just so honored to interview the father of the profession for Germany. This is really cool. <laughs> you, you must be very proud when you, when you look ahead, maybe 10 years from now, what, what do you envision that the best case scenario will be for your profession in, in that country? Yes. First of all, uh, thank you for, for giving me the honor to, uh, you know, call me the father of the profession. Of course, there was a team effort. And without many people who dared to do something new, we, we wouldn't be where we are now. But thank you. So in 10 years, I would like to be where the United States are at with the PA profession, meaning an expansion of programs, meaning it's the number one profession according mm -hmm. to the ranking uh, for, for years in, in a row. But I also envision other professions with, with more scope of practice um, developing because they all will help tackle the challenges we're all facing. But especially for the PA profession, the, the, uh, my, my hero and my, my, my blueprint is, is the United States, definitely. Master's program, uh, master's programs as standards for PAs, prescription rights, etc., and, sure. and the standard for Germany for for all federal states of Germany. Fantastic. And, and and the last question I wanted to ask you is: I know that you have, because of your role in Germany, you have taken on a leadership role in Europe as well. So could you briefly talk a little bit about where things are going in in Europe as a whole for the profession? Yes. Um, there are several countries who, who champion the profession in, in Germany. Um, I think the most advanced are the Netherlands uh, within Europe. And I think their, their role is the most independent uh, worldwide, actually, their, their PA role, which has been uh, the, the source of many discussions as well, because PAs in the Netherlands can work independently from physicians. And it can be a good thing. It, it can be discussed, uh, but the Netherlands are, are actually uh, very far advanced uh, when it comes to the PA profession. Um, the other country who's really uh, established the PA profession also in, in bylaws and laws is, is the United Kingdom, and then the Republic of Ireland, and, and also Germany. So my idea was, because initially we've had a, a group of, of people from the above mentioned or before mentioned uh, countries. And we were discussing the, the profession, also USPAs, they were helping to, to us to understand what, what does it mean, a PA profession? What does it mean to be a PA? What does a PA actually do uh, in, a, in a setting, uh, in a healthcare setting? So we've always had this discussion, this international discussion, because I think if we uh, copy a name, we also have to copy or take take a name and, and uh, establish a profession. Uh, it has to be has to have the same contents eventually, meaning same kind of education. I mean, every country has their own healthcare system, but at least similar. Sure. You know, like a physician is basically the same worldwide. A nurse is basically the same worldwide. So, so my goal from the beginning was that also the physician assistant standard is. Uh, the same in Germany. That's why we had this working group with the German Medical Association. Um, and we're working on, on federal laws uh, regarding this. 
And also from the beginning, I, I try to understand, so what's what's the scope of practice of PAs in the Netherlands? Where What's the prerequisite to be admitted to, to uh, a PA school uh, and so on? So in, and in order to have a platform to discuss this and, and the pros and cons of every country's initiative, we, we established the EuroPAC, which is the European PA collaboration. Nice. Uh, it's, it's spelled with a PA-C, like the certified PA. And sure. one of the goals of, of this association is, uh, of course, discussing, uh, promoting the profession in Europe, but also with a big C, the certification is to find maybe a common European standard for a certification exam. Like... Uh, it is uh, established in in the United States. So so we've had our first international meeting, and I th I think there was the first international PA meeting with that kind of of attendance in Europe in 2019. Was a huge success. So so we had representative from AAPA, also from the from uh, from the American side, uh, from from ARCPA. Uh, both presidents uh, of, of of those associations. We've had the leaders from from all the uh, countries, um, you know, PA associations, and we have we've had very fruitful dis discussions in in Berlin, and uh, we we initiated um, a discussion about a common certification exam. So then came COVID, then came sure. Brexit. Yeah. Uh, or Brexit first, then COVID, or you know. So at the moment, uh, we we are, I think, all focused. All those countries, most European countries, focused on on the task at hand to to of course you know be able to to find a way out of this pandemic. And uh, but we're still talking. So we've had to skip the 2020 Europac, which was already uh, planned for Berlin. And uh, in 21, we, we only had a small event in, in, uh, in Heidelberg. But I'm hopeful that we can revive this. And, and my, my goal is to have it in other, um, in other countries too of Europe. That's exciting. You know, maybe in the Netherlands. They, they are much more organized, uh, I must say. I think in the Netherlands, they're, they're already 10 years further than, than uh, we are. With sure. profession. But also, you know, if you look at the, um, I'm sure you will talk to to some of the leaders in, in the UK, they've all also had tough times. They initially, they, they had several programs and uh, then they had to close down some, but eventually they found the allies in, in the English uh, Medical Association um, and, and, and now they're, they're part of it. So I think the lesson learned is to talk, to talk, um, within the profession to discuss experiences to to learn from history especially from also from the u.s history that's that's what i like to look at and to to have a positive outlook because if you're convinced that the pa profession is something so positive it, it will eventually be part of the medical system in, in any in any country yeah, that same grit and determination we look for in our students is what we need to show as leaders as we build this up. Marcus, thank you so much. This is so interesting. I, I, I hope we can circle back in a year or two to kind of get an update on how things are going. Uh, but congrats on, on a great start. And, and we're very excited to watch you all grow there and do really appreciate your time and insights. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Marcus Hoffman, for sharing his perspectives about 
the PA profession in Germany. They have exciting things going on with the significant increase in PA programs, and we look forward to hearing more about our German colleagues in the future. Tune in next week as we speak to Mr. Quinten van den Drieschen from the Netherlands, who will share with us the origin of the PA profession in the Netherlands and where they stand today. They are one of the earliest adopters in Europe of our profession, and it'll be a very exciting informational conversation. Until next time, we wish you success with whatever path you are walking in life, and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to provide news and information on the PA profession and is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of the University of Arizona.